This is a live version of Around the League from UGASports.com. I'm Dane Young. Brent Rollins is up there in New Jersey with a background of New York City, Coach. Look at him. It's impressive. I mean, I didn't hey, realize. I got upgraded with a view this time, finally. I'll I take didn't it. realize we had that kind of capabilities, or you could have got me from Norman, Oklahoma last weekend. We've been all world. Oh, I knew we could do that, but uh, but anyhow, uh, glad to see all you guys getting rolling here. Let's got some big games. No Empire State Building in Norman, Oklahoma, Coach. Uh, yeah, I just got the big Gaylord Family Stadium. That's it. <laughs> uh, and, of course, Jim Don is the Hall of Fame head coach, former Georgia head coach, uh, won national championship at Oklahoma, uh, or at, uh, at Marshall and Oklahoma, both, all the things. Just a lot of national championships floating around on this show. <laughs> We're presented by Brady Pest Management and Connor Grading and Landscaping. We'll tell you about them throughout the show. Brent, I'm going to start with you because the game of the week in the SEC is Georgia versus Florida. Coach and I have kind of had our fill of this on UGA Sports Live. Georgia's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite in Jacksonville. That's a 330 CBS in perpetuity. Yes, yeah, a couple of things from, in terms of, like, keys to the game for me. One, third down. I mean, just go back to Jake Fromm uh, when he was the, that year, how great he was on third down that year. But basically, Florida is just not – very good on third down, both offensively, defensively, and Georgia is. And, and that's one where, okay, does that swing back the other way or does it sort of uh, stick with with what has been a status quo? The other thing is actually, is somebody going to get pressure? Um, so, you know, like Carson Beck is actually the only quarterback in the SEC who's been pressured on less than 25% of his dropbacks. But and, and Florida doesn't have a lot of sacks, but they do have one player, uh, Princely, I'm going to, Umani Malin, I, I tried. I actually listened to their thing that takes you to a Dropbox thing to, to where he pronounces his name. Yeah. Uh, but you know he's one of the highest pass rush grades in the in the, in the conference, uh, and you know somebody that Georgia has to worry about in terms of blocking. But those two things I think determine because you know obviously we get to see a game without Brock Bowers for the first time in a long time, <laughs> a very long time. And that's going to be unique to see from Georgia's perspective. But the biggest thing I think with this game for me with Georgia is just the the vibe and the energy and the the sort of look of the team because it feels like there's been an element of just get going through the motions. I think up to this point through this in the season, and with the buy with the rest, health outside of Bowers, like you're going to be at your best since the season began. I, I, I think you're going to see a different level of energy uh, this week from Georgia than we've seen uh, previous to this game. Did you watch a Kentucky game? I mean, I did, but Kentucky also royally screwed up big time to help them. But our energy. I think, I, want to see, I think I'm going to see more of it from their side, taking it to them. Uh, in a okay. Okay. You know, I think you make some good points, and certainly we haven't had a, a really uh, stellar year as far as dominating people. But I, but I feel like our coaches gotten our team ready in a different way than most teams. And the fact they knew our schedule was down, and that we worked a lot more on ourselves than we did scout team. And because of that, some really bad teams got some plays on us that maybe we could have done better if we had to practice against them. But going against each other all the time has really helped Georgia, and I think. Like you say, we're going to be fresh. We're going to be, uh, you know, without Bowers. But uh, I, I feel like uh, our running game is, is at least as good as Kentucky's. And uh, you saw what Kentucky did to him. 
Coach, which Florida is the real Florida? Because we saw what Kentucky did in, in running the ball over them. But we also saw Florida dominate the line of scrimmage against Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee game is really the the one that, you, you know, you got to figure out because, uh, you know, South Carolina, I mean, almost had them four five minutes to go in the game. Um, and they, they looked terrible against, you know, really uh, Charlotte. So, uh, but I, I listened to – uh, Brent talk about six, five and six and seven man protections that they have to use to protect this guy. And we might not get as much pressure, but if they just send two receivers out against us, we will have so many exotic coverage, double covering those guys. They won't even know where they are. I'll give yep. you guys credit too, because uh, both of you had said Graham Mertz is playing better than what most people think. And, and I went back to Florida playing Utah and I said, Florida couldn't do anything offensively in that game, but it was first of the year. They were missing some guys, but you two were right. Graham Mertz has been very efficient, Brent. Yeah. He's, he's played well and played. And I think the other, the only thing is, is that two things with him. One is the ball does not go far down the field on average. I think he's one of the lowest in the power five in terms of average depth of target, how far down the field he throws. The other thing is, is the very like a very odd passing map chart. Like if you look at that in terms of between the numbers, outside the numbers, right and left, 90% of his throws are between the numbers or right. Nothing. Like there's only hardly any, you know, less than 10% of his throws to his left. It's very odd. I mean, I'm curious to watch that and how it plays out in the game uh, this week, but he has played well. He's been accurate with the football, high completion percentage outside of a few drops. And, and in terms of playmakers, like Coach said, the couple of receivers, Pearsall is a playmaker. And, and Eugene Wilson, the true freshman, number three, he's a playmaker as well. Uh, do Are they able to run the ball at all? They haven't really run effectively. Uh, you know, but, you know, I, I just, like I said, I, I think we're you are going to see a different Georgia team this week than you have seen at any point in this season because they're right now going up to me against – the toughest five games scheduled in the regular season, or at least stretch of games in the regular season than they've had at any really at any point in the Kirby area. Because unlike you know, usually there's you know, Missouri maybe down or you have a down Vandy with within that. Now you've got in essence five straight games, and I'm including Georgia Tech mainly because of the rivalry aspect of it, where you're going to have to bring it. The other thing about Merch, this is 40th start in college football, and that's a lot of games. I mean, you know, going against some pretty good teams, even though Wisconsin wasn't that great, but a lot of savvy up there about what to do and what not to do. So he, he'll make the right decisions. It's a question whether they, there'll be enough of them. But uh, deep down, the last time the Dogs lost regular season three years ago against the Gators. So uh, it's been a long time here, like 41-1 and one or something like that. Mertz may need a couple more years to catch Bo Nix if he were to be able to get to that. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw a stat that Bo Nix, one of his first games was against Justin Herbert. Herbert. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the yeah, very first game. He got 50-some games, I mean. <laughs> set, set the record. Uh, Coach, I asked you about which Florida's real, the, the Tennessee Florida or the Kentucky Florida. Well, Tennessee and Kentucky play each other. Tennessee is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but that game's at Kentucky – I know Tennessee got off to a hot start against Alabama, but that second half really didn't do anything offensively. Well, you always hear that term, something you can count on, death and taxes, something you can count on from the Tennessee volunteers, losing Gainesville but beat Kentucky wherever they're playing. They're 35-3 and three the last 38 years against Kentucky. So, uh, And even when, that, when uh, Tennessee was down uh, – 
uh, Coach Stoops lost to him. The, the years that uh, he had those big years, you know, and won t- nine or ten games. So uh, it, it's going to take Leary playing a lot better than he has because Tennessee's good against the run. And, you know, we've seen enough of Milton that he can he can be hot and cold, but when he's hot and now he's starting to run the ball more, and he, he looks pretty good, just enough to keep the chains moving. It's just a real crime that they let that game get away from them. They, they you know, they had them ten nothing. It had, should have been seventeen. Missed a little easy out route on the goal line, but uh, a lot of potential in the Tennessee team, and just hadn't been a very good away team. You know, they won thirteen straight at home, but uh, they, I, I think if you look at all the numbers, and I'm sure Brent's going to hit you with that, uh, Tennessee should win, but uh, you you just never know when when. Uh, this Tennessee team just kind of defies me, especially looking at them against Florida. I mean, I think some of those guys might have missed the plane. <laughs> they missed. They definitely missed the second half against Bama. Zero points. I think they had they had after run, running almost fifty plays in the first half. It was low thirties in the second half. Four three and outs, and including the and then the turnover where you know the sack fumbled for a touchdown. Just complete no show. The biggest thing is they they just couldn't run the ball. Running backs, you know, here last week, you know, when Dan and I talked, I was like, hey, does Tennessee, do Tennessee fans want Jalen Wright to just get most of the carries? He goes for all 11 and carries and 22 yards against Bama. Running backs only had, you know, 74 yards rushing. Milton did obviously bring some running element and play better, uh, especially throwing the ball. But nothing like – Coach, you've been pointing this out all year, and I think it's the key with Tennessee is nothing is down the field. Four of 13 – passes over 10 yards, not even 20, four of 13 over 10 yards. And if you can't in that offense, if you can't hit those plays, it's going to lead to inconsistencies and stagnant points in time. But this is a kitchen sink, your season type game for Kentucky, because otherwise it's, you know, otherwise the only hope of your season is, you know, beating Bam at home and, you know, going with that. But still got to play Louisville too. And that yeah, they still got them too. Hey, championship, but uh, one thing that you know, I saw on the wire here right before our show is Tennessee starting corner had shoulder surgery, so that might help them a little bit. Kentucky throwing the ball with a new corner in there. Kitchen sink game for Kentucky, but if Tennessee were to lose this five and three after the season it had last year, hey, I know the schedule gets a little lighter for the Vols down the stretch, but I don't know that that would be a season that Vols fans would be too happy with. And I wonder if they would start being, you know, giving some like Nico chance uh, at, at the next home game. We'll yeah, see. I mean he's a, he's definitely a talented player, and you always got to look at what where your team is and what you got to do. But uh, you know, realistically, Tennessee lost a lot of good players, particularly at wide receiver, and the expectancy level certainly heightened without question because of last year. But realistically, when he was hired there, if you could have said, "Hey, you can go." If you can win eight games, two games in a row, uh, we'll get it one of those kneeling monuments out in front of them because they've been low, low, low. So he just established some credibility, and now the expectancy levels up. But the biggest problem everybody in the East has got, though, is Georgia's in the league. Yep. And uh, I think they've lost like three three Eastern Division games here in the last five or six years. So it makes it real hard, real hard. 
I'm talking credibility and expectations, both of those very high for our friends <laughs> at Breda Pest Management. One thing I really like about what Breda does is they try to educate you on what you need to be looking out for in your yard. So how do you see those early signs of termite damage so you can get ahead of it? Or maybe you have bats in the area this time of year that, that are a threat to your home and can cause damage to what's going on there. Squirrel's nest, all those things that you want to make sure that these critters, that these varmints, they stay away from what you care about. Breda Pest can help you with that. They're the official pest control of the Georgia Bulldogs. You can check them out at BredaPest.com. They service and protect Sanford Stadium. They can protect your home as well. Again, that's BredaPest.com. All right, Brenton, Mississippi State and Auburn uh, State found a way to win with very few points. It was 7-3, to three, so the Big Ten of, of – well, all right, the joke that I – I said that that game should have been on Jefferson Pilot with three guys named Dave broadcasting it because that's what it felt like. 100%. And I'm going to get, like, the, when you went back, I, I watched the highlights, what little there were. Uh, it took about look, 10 seconds. Yeah. What, when you look back at the numbers, there were 405 total yards by both teams combined. Six for 27 on third down, less than three yards of carry. And that was that 400 yards was on 116 plays. Like that's that's just the the ineptitude of that. Obviously, it led to uh, the pit boss firing his OC. But you know, it's still one where, like you said, with Mississippi State, they won the game, so they can feel good. But you know, this game to me is much more about Auburn and Auburn playing at home. And the interesting part with them is, like, I, I watched a good bit of their game against Ole Miss uh, last week, and the the QB rotation. Like you'd see Ashford in on first and second down for a good, you know, good two, three, four series. And then uh, Peyton Thorne would come in on third down. I just, I found that fascinating. And this was like coach with one with, with today's sort of college football. If you come in as a new coach like freeze has, and you go into the portal and you don't have that sort of young quarterback that you're playing. And now you're playing Ashford and, and Thorne portal guy. Are you just going to keep perpetuating that portal finding of a quarterback? Or are they actually going to try to, you know, try to get some young guys there, restart, and this is just year one kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think they got to get a dynamic quarterback, a young guy to come in there and build on it. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with uh, if, if it hadn't worked out with the ones they got, get another transfer guy because, uh, you know, he, that's how he won at Liberty. He got the kid from uh, Auburn that came up there and yep. did great. He's playing for Tennessee. So – uh, but the biggest issue with them receiver-wise, they just don't get any separation. Uh, and when they do r run the RPOs, they either get them tipped or have a lineman downfield. And just they're just a team that – and you've seen this calling plays yourself. But when you don't make a lot of first downs, you're not a real good play caller. So they're having a hard time because they're searching for ways to, you know, manufacture things. And when you're playing a team like Ole Miss, you think that, you, you better score because they're going to score. But seriously, 14-14 at the half, they were right in the game. And they had some shots at, at some plays. But I think third down conversions is something they got to really work on because if they can do that, that means three more plays. But this Mississippi State team playing without their quarterback on the road won the game. Uh, if Rodgers is ready to go this week, then I think they got a little bit of edge because he – uh, I'm sure Arnett's telling the offensive coach, look, we got to throw the ball more and find a way to manufacture some points too. But uh, easily, 
easily the pillow, you know, the pillow fight of the week, but it might be close to uh, Vanderbilt trying to do something against Ole Miss. But I worry about Ole Miss just, you know, everybody slapping them on the back and, you know, not being really fired up. But, uh, but our, you know, Auburn could get bowl eligible. I mean, I think they could. I think they got enough W's out there that they might do it. I don't see it happening in South Carolina. I think the question that Hugh Freeze this offseason better get used to answering is, are you going to call plays next year? Because I think he's going to get asked that a ton of, will he step in and be the play caller? Just because It, it seems like he's involved, but. It sure think. looks like he's calling them the way he is on the sideline. He's got that sheet and he's walking. And, uh, you know, he, he's probably saying those good ones. Yeah, I called them. <laughs> that run that Peyton Thor had against Georgia. He called yeah, that one. The one thing that he says that makes me concerned a little bit is is the head coach. Is that you know he brings in Philip Montgomery from Tulsa, who has a Baylor background, worked out there with Art Browse, and they they essentially put the Baylor scheme in the verbiage, the terminology, and and several times I've heard Coach Freeze mention that uh, he's not familiar with the uh, terminology and the verbiage take over the play calling because he's had his way of doing things. And it wouldn't be different if you call something 46 bomb and all of a sudden it's, it's Jupiter or something. You know what I mean? It's just you know, a lot of teams use names and all, but uh, he is the head coach. There is a trend, trend around the country. Look at Drinkowitz. Now they're talking about, he's really a master coach now that he's given up play calling. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a trend for him. It's great for, for uh, Texas A&M, it hadn't worked out as good. They've got three straight weeks with three points in the second half. So uh, maybe Petrino's got that first half game plan ready, and then they go in at halftime and Jimbo makes the adjustments. Who knows what it is? I don't know. I just saw this cycle at Auburn forever in the Gus Malzahn era. It was he's calling plays, and then he hired someone to do it, and he's the CEO role, and it just went back and forth. So I, I just know what questions are coming on that beat. Uh, let's go over to South Carolina at Texas a I want to point out one thing. Gus ran the worst two-point play. I was out in Oklahoma last week. Easily, the, if it's not the worst two-point play, it's in the top two to try to win the game. He did a great job the whole game. I mean, they had a chance to beat OU. And they ran a double pass on the goal line to a guy running to his left trying to throw the ball right-handed to his left. He couldn't even raise his arm. Uh, I, I mean, I, I was happy as an OU guy, but, man, I mean, that was a bad call, Gus, bad call. Didn't they recently extend his contract as well? Yeah, he's got a new contract. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he should. He's done pretty good down there. And, uh, I mean, you talk about pennies from having a guy gets fired and gets $21 million from Auburn, and then in the middle of uh, of January, Central Florida comes open and, there, and he gets – contract down there and now he's already got a renewal so he can go to waffle house anytime he wants now <laughs> i always think some of these coaches like it, you give me 21 million dollars i'm not working the next year yeah. i promise you that but he's a high school coach from background wise he loves ball and he's a dang good man and good coach and he, he, he uh he's either real hot calling plays or real cold i mean if you can't get lined up against him he's gonna butcher you but if you can get lined up and don't give away a bunch of big plays in the passing game and stop the run. Uh, you know, that's been the model. Uh, that's what, what's hurt him. 
echo him being a good man. I always enjoyed uh, to covering him when I was down there closer to Auburn. All right, Brent, South Carolina and Texas A&M. Uh, we'll see what Shane Beamer complains about with Texas A&M Stadium. Uh, Speaking of coaches and salaries. <laughs> oh, went, here, here comes some, some financial stats. I went, I went down a rabbit hole uh, looking at buyout <laughs> numbers and – Obviously, you know, Be- Shane Beamer, you know, they went eight and four last year, beat Clemson, beat Tennessee because they wore wristbands evidently on their on, on defense or something like that. I, I've been seeing, but he gets an extension. So he's signed through 2027. His buyout is 65% of the total remaining, which after this year would be $16 million uh, that he would be uh, owed. Jimbo's, however, isn't less than $20 million until 2029. It is right now, currently after this year, if they said bye-bye to Jimbo, he would have to stroke him in some way. I don't know how the total or just one big check. $76.8 million. to go, Like like Coach O said in that one interview after he's like, hey, what, what, what door do you want me to go out? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> which, like, that's just amazing. But And he, know, still, he still hasn't had a better record than the guy he replaced. Sumlin at this time point is better than, uh, than Jimbo. But this game is very much a which which quarterback plays better game. Like watching Max Johnson makes lots of plays, makes lots of really good throws. But man, does he hold on to the football arm and, and takes some really big time hits because he wants to make those throws down the field? And Rattler, if you look at Rattler's numbers and a lot of it's competition, but it's every other week. So he goes from three forty five, three touchdowns, <laughs> and plays Georgia with the one reception or one TD, two picks. Then he goes two eighty eight, three TDs. And then 169 and nothing, 314 and four TDs. And then last week, 217, no t- no touchdowns, one pick. So if the every other is real, this is going to be a good week uh, for Spencer Rattler. He better he better bring in some help to protect him because uh, this, this South Carolina, I watched their protection the other night. I mean, they've still got the issues they've had all year. And now they've lost legit, legit, what's his name? Legit. Uh, like, uh, he he's not able to play, so uh, you know they, they've never beat A and M since they came in the league at A and M. And uh, I remember two years ago, they I think they were going into the fourth quarter and had only made two first downs out there. But realistically, this South Carolina team is trending downward. They, they give up. Uh, I mean, like I think it's like nine or ten straight games against. Uh, power five teams were over 30 points a game. So you just can't see it happening out there for, I like for them to, to have a shot, but I can't see it. Uh, they would go to two and six if A&M wins this game. And, and you watch out next week. Yes. Jacksonville state man is the real deal. Oh, Rich Rod got him humming down there. Seven and two going to a bowl game. Just went one a last year. Uh, that. That was the game. I was what in the heck are they doing scheduling Jacksonville State? <laughs> and uh, I mean, I guarantee you they'll play them better than Vanderbilt does. That game will be at uh, noon on ESPNU next week. Jacksonville State can go to a bowl because I know James Madison, right? Can I? Yeah, this might be their third year, maybe. I don't, I don't know, but James, you got to go two years to beat me. But I mean, now the the. Attorney General up in Virginia is threatening all that. You know, when you start getting that, then NCA starts looking at it. But, but hey, I mean, realistically, I think it's only fair if you're going to switch over 
I mean, have a rule like that. But James Madison's always been good, uh, good team. Over under number of losses uh, between Clemson and South Carolina when they play on on November twenty fifth because it could be a lot. Yes, and you know with A and M, I actually they could obviously tank in a way and, and sort of go downhill, just vibes and and whatnot. But it feels like there's going to be one game because they got Ole Miss left and they got LSU left, where there's just a it's good vibes game and they feel good and they they clip one of those two teams just put it all together for four quarters for once. You're capable of it. You look the way they played Bama. I mean, they got they got a lot of – I mean, those guys – got on, players. Those guys on the defensive front now, grown men. And uh, anytime you got 30 loss yardage plays in two weeks, that's an average of 15. I mean, that's hard for somebody to make a lot of yards against you when you get that many times you get hit behind a line of scrimmage. So, uh, you know, I mean, lost to Miami, they just kind of folded – their second half plays, but bothers me. I just don't understand what they do at halftime. They come out in the second half and really bad. Just not clicking in the second half. We have one more game to discuss. We'll do that after we thank our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping. This on the screen is Mike Connor. He founded Connor Grading and Landscaping. They've been supporters of ours for a couple of years. And we tell you all the time what we love is their creativity. They'll come out, take a look at your yard, and see what can make it the best in your neighborhood maybe make your home tailgate better than it has ever been they have all the big equipment that you need to have to get this done quickly so they can move a little earth for you come up with ideas for a patio maybe some pavers if you want a pool put in there's just a lot of things you can do this time of year uh, to make sure that by the time spring comes around that you'll have one of those yards that's the envy of the neighborhood you want to connect with them the easiest way to do it is connorgrading.com and you can tell them that you heard about mike connor from uh, around the league here from uga sports all right final game coach you mentioned vandy and old miss we have uh, mississippi is a 24 and a half point favorite it's a home game but it's at night so vandy gets to play a night game in the sec that doesn't always happen <laughs> That's a way to look, give it a silver lining there, but I, I, I don't know if they know how to get their pregame meal set up. But, you know, this Vandy team showed some capabilities. I mean, to me, watching them attack Georgia uh, two weeks ago, they really had a good plan on, uh, you know, what they were trying to do and uh, just don't have enough players. And I think, too, Kirby kind of pulled the plug once Bowers got hurt. He, he wasn't going to, you know, he pulled Milton out and we, you saw how we ran the ball there in the last five or six minutes when they did actually run the ball. Those guys went forever, Cash Jones and Edwards. But this, this Vandy team uh, trying to get some identity defensively, uh, they're going against a spark plug offense, man. Those guys got a lot of ways to hurt you. And uh, it just seems like when Lane's a big favorite sometimes, they, they try to – go a little bit too fancy and they, they got to hope that you know that they don't get too fancy and uh, take care of the ball and do everything but uh, th this should be a win that everybody in the grove should be happy about yeah vandy's looking at a potential run of losing 10 straight games after starting the season two and oh uh the biggest thing for me with this game is can ole miss play this game and jackson dart not take hits because watching the game against Auburn, he, he takes big-time hits. And he's a big physical kid, but he's had at least five rushes in every game. 
He's had at least 17, like 20, at least 20 design rush yards in every game this season. Thus, so can you play this game where you are this big of a favorite, especially what you got coming up over the next few weeks, and not get your quarterback hit? Because there's going to be one that you're going to wish you had back in a game like this. Who do so they next, play the week before they play us? When we so play? next week it's a home game against Texas A&M at noon, 11 local time. And Okay, and then we play at 3.30. You know, we, we'll, Georgia probably play them at night. Yeah. So, But the spotlight for the next two weeks in terms of just where opponents' dreams can go to die turns into Sanford Stadium because Missouri with the bye week right now Coming in, trying to take the the leadership position in the SEC East, Georgia will have that opportunity to steal their dreams. And then the following week, if Ole Miss takes care of business against A and M, it's kind of the same deal. Where Ole Miss would be eight and one in the league, and if they could find a way to beat Georgia, you look at it and say all they have left is the Egg Bowl. Especially if LSU beats Bama. If LSU beats Bama, doesn't make any difference. So they can't get in because they, yeah. LSU beat them, but. You know, there's a lot of ifs there, but uh, of all the things that are going to happen, I don't think uh, I don't think Missouri going to beat Georgia. Uh, they could, but we'll see. But you certainly presented an interesting scenario there. And I, I'm just saying, big games at Sanford yeah. Stadium, and, and I think that people looked at the schedule early in the season and said there's yes. not a whole lot of teeth to it. Well, at the end here, there's going to be yes. a lot of intrigue just in terms whole of the matchups coming in. Yeah. So what? What? How many straight home games have we won now? I know we're 41 and one since uh, we, you know, since we lost to, to uh, I guess South Carolina is the last home game we lost, right? Yeah. 2019. Yeah, the three interception game. So we got we had 20, 20 the COVID year we didn't play that many games and then so I mean we're in the twenties easily, aren't we? Yeah. We'll we'll get our uh, stat team on that, Brent. So <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> I'm not. I have that guys. one off the top of my head. Uh, well, we're going to wrap it up here. I think uh, a lot of intrigue here coming in November. That's where champions are born, and Georgia has that in front of them. A couple other teams have that too. Uh, as long as the signs aren't stolen between now and then, if you want to hear Coach Donovan's thoughts on that, the last 10 minutes of UGA yeah. Sports Live. But there's been about four stories since then, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. It, it, like, it's amazing. It's unreal. Amazing. But anyway. Uh, yeah. I mean, and people, the thing that, that I would like to quantify for anybody that's and still didn't go to sleep listening to me is they say, well, everybody does it. You, I've never heard of anybody doing that as far as, Stealing plays, sure, you do that. But sending people out to video them and scout the team uh, under soon, you know, sending somebody out there, and then even scouting teams that might be, you know, opponents in the future. I mean, they were scheduled to see us play on that tape. They got uh, we're going to shout us five times this year, mm. and. Uh, I don't know. I thought Kirby had a good response to it. Said he, you know, based on the way the game went, he didn't really think it mattered too much. <laughs> that was a phenomenal answer. Uh, all to say, a lot of intrigue coming here in November. We thank y'all for watching around the league here from UGASports.com. For Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins, I'm Dane Young. Thanks to Connor Grading and Landscaping and Breda Pest Management. Please support the people who support us, and we'll chat with y'all next week.